Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. the Lord everybody and um, so thankful that you're here tonight tonight's ladies tea in the back and everybody else is in here with us good to have my dad with us tonight you're gonna be hearing from him in just a little bit oh, we're so glad about that amen um, you grab your Bibles tonight uh, we are going to take a text from the book of Romans, um, Romans chapter 5, and uh, I'm going to talk to you for, for a few minutes about creating an atmosphere that I think is so key, something God has put in my spirit. Um, Romans chapter 5, verse 14. Amen. How many is ready to hear the word of the Lord tonight? Verse 14 says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who is what? The figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Can you say man? Verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in the life by one Jesus Christ. Adam was made in the similitude or the likeness of the Christ that was to come. Praise God. The book of Genesis, and you may be seated. The book of Genesis chapter 1. The book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Let's, let's read from there this evening. Genesis 1 and 26. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created what? Man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. I'd like to talk to you tonight about conforming to the image of Christ. Conforming to the image of Christ. Let's all pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word and all that you are and who you are to us. I pray that you would speak to every man in this room, every person in this room. God, everybody that has attended tonight would be blessed by your word. Those that are watching online, I pray your hand would be upon them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Before we uh, get started, I want to say that while we have you men here, 
there are, there are some things I think that uh, we should feel responsible for. How I many know we as men, we need to take responsibility to the house of God? Praise God. In the maintenance, working with Brother Gene, uh, Brother Gene Tehi, there are things that under him that, that he is to take care of, and, and uh, Brother Danny as well, Brother Danny Wells, cleaning. We need men that know how to paint, do the plumbing, electrical work, heating and cooling, some framing, some handyman stuff. And uh, if you will see um, Brother Gene, is Brother Gene here this evening? And uh, uh, Brother Gene Tehi, he's here somewhere, might be taken care of. There's a big event, of course, going on tonight. But if you will see him, if you can do some of those things, would you raise your hand? Amen. Handiwork, whatever. But we have some things that we need to wrap up. You'll be hearing more about that very, very soon. You'll be hearing from him. And so uh, we've got a green room just behind us that's almost finished. And we've got a science lab that we're going to try to finish. Back here, um, going back into Liggett Hall, just to the right, that's a science lab. There's some things that can be done there. and We're going to need some help. So if you will, when Brother Gene calls, say, hey, I will. And he's going to give you some times, and that we'll move from there. I was, I was traveling last year on vacation. Getting ready to go, and uh, we decided I was preaching in California, and we were going to be leaving from California and uh, Visalia, California, and head on to the Grand Canyon with some friends of ours. And I was talking to a friend of mine, and he said, Oh, you're going to the Grand Canyon. How many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Hey, a few of you out there, the Grand Canyon. In some places, they tell me it's a mile deep. Brother Brown told me it's just another hole in the ground. <laughs> He'd been out there. Um, and I, I remember one of my friends, preacher friends, he said, man, you're taking your kids. Be careful. He said, there are places out there you could just randomly walk out on the edge of a cliff. He said, before I knew it, my daughter was standing out on the edge hundreds of feet below her. She could have fallen. He said, I was so terrified. He said, I was saying to her, hey, hey, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Take it easy. She was just as comfortable as can be out there on the edge of death. I began to research and to see how many people, because I'd never been there. I started thinking about my nine-year-old Finn because he's the, the most careless of my four. And uh, he'll, he will push the limits. And he's nine years old. And I started thinking about him. And I started researching where we were going, what we were going to do, and, and uh, started seeing how many people there die a year. The number one reason that people fall there is because nowadays deaths are caused by people taking selfies. You know what a selfie is. That's when you're taking your phone and you're trying to get a picture to share with your page of where you are because everybody's interested in where you are and what you're doing. There is a, an infamous picture of a couple. She's in a pink shirt. They're from India, and they traveled. They were known on their, on their posting of all their journeys to all their friends where they were. They were very adventurous people. But they seemed to be never satisfied with the pictures they would take until they would get to the most edge of the cliff. I mean, people are, are climbing these, these massive buildings and getting on the top of a needle and taking pictures. People are dying left and right all over the world because there's this fad of taking extreme dangerous pictures. And um, there's this infamous picture. I don't have it for you tonight. But uh, of this couple, it's the last picture of them that was taken before they found their bodies 800 feet below in the Grand Canyon. And the point that it makes to me 
is how far will you go to get the right image? How far will you go? Uh, we don't deal, deal with image issues the way ladies deal with image issues. Uh, ladies are, are more beautifiers. Men are not. But at the same time, we deal with image issues. And uh, who we're going to be like, what we're going to be like. We, we um, um, imitate people in our world. You act like your dad. When I would be preaching, people would say, man, you remind me of your dad. I'll, dad, I always receive that as a compliment. And I've got people that go out from here and preach, and people call me and say, they remind me of you, Pastor. Uh, Brother Bounds, when they go preach. Because we do um, act like people we respect. How many know that's true? And uh, we as men, we have images. We do. We have images. And the truth of the matter is, we have image issues. When God made Adam, he rolled up his sleeves. And the Bible says that God made him in his own image. Here he is, the invisible God of creation. He, he comes down and rolls up his sleeves and puts his hand in the dirt. Genesis 2.7 says he formed man from the dust of the ground, breathing into his nostrils the breath of life, and man, speaking of Adam, became a living soul. When he made Adam, he made Adam looking at Christ. How many believe that? He declared the end from the beginning. He was forming his eyes, his, his head, his hands, his feet, his body, looking at the Christ to come. Jesus was not made like Adam. Adam was made like Jesus who would be born of a woman 4,000 years later. Can you say man? What I've learned from this is that when Adam was made, he was made to conform to an image. He was made to be identified with something. Can I say to every man in this room, every person in this room, you were made to conform. You will conform to what you're around, what you respect, what you look at, what you watch. The Bible says they became likened to that which they worshiped. How many know that's a dangerous thing? It is a dangerous thing because if you start looking at the wrong thing, you start spending time with the wrong people, you will conform to the atmosphere that is around you. You're around negative people, you'll become negative. You're around positive people, you'll become positive. He, he, he said it in such a way that in Scripture, in the Scripture, it orders it this way. The warning is this. Be not conformed to this world. Everybody say this world. That's the warning of it. Not only were you made to conform to Christ, you were made in general to conform to what you look at, to what you focus on. You will be identified with where you put your time, your emotion, and your attention. It's a scary thing. But that's why he went on to say, love not the world nor the things that are in the world. Amen. He said, rather, he said to conform to the image of his son. There should be one goal that is in this room of every human being. It is to conform to the identity of Jesus Christ. Amen. We ought to clap our hands. We need to conform to Jesus. That is our goal. Praise God. Who you 
hang around is who you become like. I had a friend, had a friend one time, and I hung around him so much that, that people told us that we started looking alike. And uh, there's a neighbor up the road. Uh, I can't say that was a good conforming. But you take on each other's gestures. Now, you know, I hang out with my wife and uh, with her every day. And I'll, I'll think of something and she'll say it. How I many know it's true? Be driving down the road. We could be in the room and nobody's thinking about what we're thinking about. She can be on this side of the room. And we're thinking about exactly the same thing. We have our own language. We have our, we have our own facial expressions. They say over time, even you and your spouse will start looking alike. I'll be on the other side of the country and we'll be calling each other at the exact same second. There's a, you become like that which you are around. And if you sit in front of a TV all day long, you're going to become like what you entertain yourself with. And the Bible says that we be careful, lest beware lest you entertain angels, what? Unawares. If you can entertain angels, you can also entertain spirits. And if we're not careful, we will entertain things in our life that cause us to think ungodly thoughts, impure dreams, come on, desires and anger. The Bible says men ought to lift up holy hands. Without that is our holiness, is men to lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting or apathy. Can you say man? What I'm teaching you, if you will learn to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's so powerful. A, a, a Bible, I say a good devotion is my Bible, reading in the morning, a good cup of coffee, and talking to Jesus. I don't rush through the scripture. This morning I read my a chapter of Philemon again, uh, just one chapter in that book, and uh, it's the second day that I've been in that book and I decided to move on to something else and I began to read in the book of Nahum. It began to speak to me this morning. I'm going to take some time in the book of Nahum because in my devotion, it links to what I've been preaching about with Hezekiah. I didn't even know it until this morning. I began to search the scriptures in detail. When he talks about the burden of Nineveh, didn't realize that was the capital city of Assyria where Sennacherib had told the king, um, Hezekiah, that I'm going to destroy you. Nobody else, countries, gods could deliver them from my hand. Who do you think your God is? But he Nahum lights into them. That prophet began to prophesy against Sennacherib and how their chariots would fall and how their kingdom would fall. It began to speak to me. And what I've learned, if I will get close to Jesus with his word, and I'll have communion with him and conversations with him, guess what I'll do? I will become like him. I'll see the way he sees. I'll feel the way he feels. I'll believe the way he believes. How many want to be like Jesus? Oh, come on. How many want to be like Jesus? He said, be ye holy as I am holy. Amen. Be ye holy. You can be holy. You can be pure, but you have to determine your atmosphere. Your atmosphere will produce who you become. We have taught it to our children, especially to our teenagers who are choosing their girlfriends and boyfriends and peer group and media, media um, entertainment. And this is what we tell them. Show me your friends and I will show you what? Your future. I'm going to show you you in the future. 
Isn't that true? We've always said that from a negative connotation. You've rarely heard somebody say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future in a positive way. We're always talking about you hang out with wrong people, you're going to act like the wrong people. But it goes the same way. Show me your friends. I will show you your future. Get around godly people, you'll become godly. Get around holy people, you'll be holy. Come on. Have a righteous things pouring into your eyes and into your ears. Listening to the word of God. Spending time in the word of God. Staying away from unholy things. You know what will happen? You will become holy because you were made to conform to the image of Christ. How many want to be like Jesus? Amen. 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 I want to be like him. I want you to lift your hands in this room. When every person that will. Say, God, I want my hands to be holy. I want my feet to be holy. I want my decisions to be right. I don't want to think like you. I want to be like you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I want my, my temperament and my demeanor to be the way it would be. God, the way you would have it to be. The way you live and walk. That's what I want. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Somebody say amen. When you're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's the Gospels of Jesus Christ. It tells us how he's lived, how he conducted himself, how he responded. It really did. You will love the way he loves. When you are, when you are reading about him, you should stop and say, I want to be like that. How many want to lay hands on the sick and they recover? How many want Christ in you to be formed in you? Amen. Christ in you, the hope of glory. To operate through you and with you. Look at your neighbor and say, you are now the body of Christ. If he embodied the anointing, he preached the gospel to the poor and opened the blinded eyes. Guess what? We can preach the gospel to the, oil, to the poor, open the blinded eyes. God wants to use us. We are now the body of Christ. In, in every way, our goal is to be like, like him. Pastor, I messed up. I lied last week. I made a mistake. I did this. What do I do? The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. We have not, we are not him. Our, we are striving to be more like him. How do I become more like Jesus? How do I become more like Jesus? Get around godly people. Try it, Andy. I get around people that want to be like Jesus. I stay away from people that don't want to be like Jesus. I don't let them pour into my life. I spend time with them in the Word on a daily basis and a prayerful relationship with Him. And if you will spend time with Him, you're naturally made to conform to what you're around. To every dad in the room, I say to you, it is your job to control who, you're, to control who your children hang out with. It's your job to control what they do. Everybody say, that's my responsibility. I said it Sunday and I'll say it again. They asked Venus and Serena Williams' father, I saw in an interview, they asked him, they said, when did you know that your girls were champions? He said, the day they were born. He said, I chose their circle. I chose their atmosphere. I chose who educated them. I chose where they were. If you put a child in a negative atmosphere, 
Guess what's going to happen to that kid? They're going to try to fight to not conform or conform. If you put them in the wrong atmosphere, they will, listen, if they've got integrity, they're going to be trying not to conform. And they might spend more energy trying not to conform to the wrong atmosphere than they are getting what they should out of that specific place. One of the great things, one of the greatest things we've ever done is start a school here at Anchor Christian Academy. You know why? They can get an education without trying not to conform to the pressures of society. And when school systems, listen to me, are trying to tell our kids without parental consent what gender they are, I'm dealing with this right now where the school turned the girl, told the girl, you're not a girl, you're a boy. And pulled the parents in and said, don't you tell her she's a girl anymore. This is local. That ought to trouble us. That ought to keep us awake at night. That ought to light a fire under us. I don't want my kids in a place where they're trying to fight to not conform. I want my kids in a place what? Where they can be like Jesus. Hallelujah. One, I told the Gators, I said one of the greatest things is, is my kids get to be in his Bible class every single week. Every single week. I mean, every single day, my kids are starting their day with him teaching the Word of God and prayer is broken. I've seen a difference already in my kids. I think it's powerful. We ought to thank God for what this school is doing for our children. Amen. Amen. I'm going to say to you also, taking your kids to youth group, taking your kids to the house of God, putting them in Sunday school class, taking time that you have prayer meeting and devotion at home with your kids. Your children need men. Don't leave the praying to your wives. Don't leave the praying to the ladies. Amen. Men ought to be prayerful. Let your children hear you pray for your family. Oh, let there be an amen. I want us to stand. My dad's going to come in just a moment and talk about whatever he feels today. I just wanted a few minutes with you. I want us to lift our hands. Oh, God, help us to be not conformed to this evil, wicked world. Oh, you said evil men would wax worse and worse. They're going to grow more wicked as time goes on. But you said that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. We're so thankful for what we feel in this room. Lord, we want to be like you. We want to feel after you. God, as you love, we want to love. As you forgive, we forgive. We want your character. We want the mind of Christ. Lord, we're so thankful. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I've asked my dad just uh, um, whatever he feels, take as long as he wants to. But I'm going to say, living, Dad, living in your home, thank you for always providing an atmosphere of righteousness. When I would be away somewhere as a young man and feel uncomfortable, I knew when I got home, there would be peace in my house. Mom and dad loved each other. It was a place of godliness and prayerfulness. I could go to him about anything. And uh, thank you for being a man of your word, a man of integrity. While he was in the pulpit, he was at the house. And while he was at the house, he was the same with the pulpit. I didn't have two dads. What I mean, I didn't have one one day, one way, and one another another day. He wasn't just righteous in front of the saints. He was righteous in front of us boys. And it caused us to want to be like him because we knew he wants to be like him. Amen. Would you welcome him as he comes? We want him to take his time.
You can be seated. I didn't come tonight expecting to say anything. I slipped in. I'm retired. <laughs> My oldest son, David, said, Dad, we want to get you plugged in. I said, I don't want to get plugged in. <laughs> I like being unplugged. That's why I'm able to come here tonight. But I love the church. Not just this church, but I love the church in general. I love its, I love its precepts, their binding. I love its laws. I love its foundation. I love its CEO. We have the right builder, don't we? Uh, Jesus was talking to Simon Peter when he asked Peter who he was. Who do people say he was? And Peter said, That art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, Flesh and blood hath not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock I'm going to build my church. I'm glad the church belongs to Jesus, aren't you? And I, I repented in 1968. I was 12 years old. But the church has never been anything but good to me. Some people have been bad to me. But my wife and I were talking about some difficult times that we'd been through. She said, yeah, but we had a relationship with the Lord. I've seen people go through the same thing, and, and then they, they just turn their back on the, on the church. But don't ever turn your back on the church. It's really stupid to backslide over a, a bad preacher or a hateful saint. I've pastored them that got up in the morning and brushed their teeth and sharpened their tongue before they came. But I heard uh, Brother Tenney say one time, don't pay any attention to those poodle ankle biters. All they do is yap. But uh, I'm glad for the church. And I, I've had people to say, uh, I wish my boys was like your boys. And uh, I've seen them where their sons were living in the woods and heroin addicts, their lives are a wreck. And I thought, what's the difference in my boys? Only one thing, the church. Some people live in the shadow of the steeple, but they've never gone to the house of the Lord, and they wonder why their children end up terrible. But I'm telling you what, if you'll raise your kids in the church, it's going to make all the difference in the world. And a lot of people live their life through their children. And I've seen, I've seen people that I've pastored their kids do bad but secretly I could tell that the dad was proud of him proud of him that he got a girl pregnant out of wedlock and I thought how can you be proud of that but they were secretly living their lives to their kids because he had an adulterous spirit what do you want your kids to be how do you want to live your life through your kids I, I'm glad that uh, your pastor is a pastor and I know he could be working as an engineer. That's what he went to college for. But I, I'm proud that he has uh, always been a worker in the church and a youth pastor first and then pastor for years now. And, uh, just look at the accomplishments of, of your pastor. You know what? why that is? It's the church. There's nothing like the church. And if you live by its rules and by its laws, I, I was reading in Ephesians, the sixth chapter this morning, and Paul said, we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. 
but we're wrestling against spiritual wickedness. And the church will give us the authority and give us the power to live for God. I want, I want to live for God. And it doesn't make any difference how old you are. You can still be tempted. A story that comes to my mind, a rabbi was walking down the road with some of his disciples, and one of them said, Master, when do we trust the flesh? And he said, well, I'd wait till I was dead about four days before I trust my flesh. <laughs> we can't trust the flesh, but we can trust the Spirit of God. Because sometimes the Spirit's willing, but our flesh seems like it's always weak. Paul said that there's a war going on all the time. But what do you want your kids to be? I remember uh, I told the boys when they were dating, and uh, David would bring he would bring beautiful girls to uh, church. They weren't Christians. Somebody asked him, said, why do you only bring beautiful girls? He said, mama didn't raise no fool. <laughs> but I told him, I said, don't bring any Egyptians to my house. You can invite them to church and we'll try to get them converted, but you're not dating Egyptians. They don't fit in our family. I want, I want you to be righteous and and you know all of my grandkids have the Holy Ghost? Except one, Sadie. And Sadie really needs the Holy Ghost. She's about two and a half. She really needs the Holy Ghost. So I remember saying that about Finn. And he got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but uh, I couldn't be more proud than my grandkids being full of the Holy Ghost. And I was watching you folks on Sunday night and listened to Lake and sing. And then that beautiful little girl, I don't even know what her name is. She sang a part with the praise team. It just brings tears to my eyes listening to those children. Train up a child in the way it should go. There's nothing like being a part of the church. I pastored some people, and, and they were in and out. They were real sporadic in their attendance because their, their kids were in... Uh, organized sports and they made that a priority over the church you know that that really those kids will remember that and they'll prioritize their life by the way they were trained up the church should be number one in your life and I I want I'm proud that my boys are, are, are men of integrity but they grew up in the church we went to youth camp my wife and I worked three weeks every year we ran the concession stand. We, we were dorm parents. And uh, I remember somebody saying, oh, they're not going to trick me into working at that youth camp anymore. And, and I look at their children, and their children have gone. They've gone away from the Lord, and, and, and their lives are a wreck and because they didn't want to get tricked into coming down to youth camp. It wasn't any trick. I enjoyed working at youth camp. And... and uh, supplying candy and Pepsis to all those kids and watching them receive the Holy Ghost. Praise God. But what, what do you want your children to be? It's, you, can, you can determine like he said. And what kind of life are you living in front of them? I told the boys when they were young, I said, you, you can drop a diamond in a, in a mud hole and get it out and wash it off you could never tell it's been in that mud hole but you drop your reputation in there you're done I've known people that have had affairs and uh, 
and then then try to build a church after that which it never happened because people always in the back of their mind I don't care how many times you repent they're not going to want to hear you when you you've ruined your reputation but uh, I read a read a, an article about a man that went to he went to an amusement park and uh, and it had like 10 was half price and then 12 was double what the 10 year old was and and uh, that guy said well the lawyer here he's 10 but the doctor he's 12 he said well, mister he said you could have told me both of them were 10 and I'd have never known you'd save some money he said yeah you wouldn't have known but both of those boys would have known kids remember stuff I remember things don't you I remember things people have done and it, it, it burned an impression in my mind and and I remember I thought, I can't believe they just did that. Took their tithes and threatened to use their tithes to, if, if the pastor didn't spend it in the church the way that they wanted him to do it, and they were going to just take their tithes and do what they wanted to with it. And I didn't think, well, I'm proud of you. I thought, that's horrible. Kids know when you're being honest. And where you're a man of integrity. I want to be a person of integrity, don't you? Praise God. Because I love the church. And the church is a place of integrity. Preaching. Preaching will, it will counsel you if you'll listen to preaching. You don't need all those hours. I can say it, I'm retired. You don't need all those hours in the pastor's office. Just listen to the preaching. I've had people say, man, how did you know my life? I said, it wasn't me, it was the Holy Ghost. I actually had a preacher get mad at me one time. I was preaching revival, and I came home and told my wife, I said, pastor got mad at me tonight. It's only happened to me two times. And, uh, and then I found out, like the next couple days, somebody told me why he got mad at me. He thought I was picking on his daughter, which the Holy Ghost was was speaking directly to his daughter and I had no clue but he got mad at me and his daughter's still lost and that's been a long time ago man but the Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you you ever get squirmy when you're sitting in the church remember those old pews we got when we they had come out of a church where I got the Holy Ghost it looked like that some of those people had really squirmed a whole lot it didn't even have any varnish left on patches where they were sitting. I told the boys, I said, look at that boy. They were under fire. They were sitting there and they were nervous, but I want the Holy Ghost to speak to me, don't you? I, I go to meetings. I want the preacher to preach me in, in the altar and I want to I feel, feel conviction and run to the altar and repent again and shed tears of repentance. Doesn't it feel good when you when you get pulled to the altar by conviction and, and you start praying and those tears start flowing, it just seems like it washes your soul clean. No wonder David said, he's put my tears in a bottle as a memorial. I don't want to ever lose the ability to cry. You can get hurt so bad that you can't cry anymore. But I'm telling you, God will give us the ability to Soften our hearts and and uh, have a repentive spirit. 
I've been to churches and it seemed like the whole church was full of pride. You know what I'm talking about. You go to another church and everybody's friendly. And you go to another church and, and, uh, and their personality is a little bit different. It seems like churches follow the pastor. And I think you folks have a great pastor and you're a great church. Praise God. Nothing like the church. Nothing like the church. And it's a good life living for the Lord. Now, my wife and I are retired and we're trying to figure out what we want to do with what time we've got left. <laughs> but uh, I always want to stay in the church. I told, I told your pastor, I said, you know, I love it. I can watch you folks. And then I can, I can watch my son David preach no matter where I'm at. I can turn and, and, uh, and, and listen to the word of God and, and see all of you people worshiping God. It's an incredible thing that we can do now. But thank God for the church. Praise God. I'm finished. I didn't have any... I didn't know I was speaking tonight, so I love you. Thanks for all those beautiful grandkids. Love you too. Would you tell a story? A story impacted me over the years. And uh, he was preached with transparency and honesty. And uh, you talked about that, which weighed in the balance. You talked about that tape measure going back to North Carolina. Would you tell that story? It, it brought much conviction over me. I mean, it, 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 was, a, it was a steady thing that, that kept me over the years. I mean, talking about it matters what you do. Would you share that story? We had moved to North Carolina. We had been going through some difficult times uh, with the church where we were attending. They were changing from ultra-conservative to liberal, and it just... You can't change horses in the middle of the stream. <laughs> but I, I'd got, I'd, I'd sat in church and got really cold on God, like the prodigal son's brother. You know, he actually had sitting in, in the father's house. But uh, we'd moved, and uh, we were living in North Carolina. And I went in one day in Kmart, and they had a Stanley 25-foot tape and it had two tags on it. It had a 11, 11.91, and then it had another one that said $1.91. So I thought, you always get it for the cheaper price. That's marked. So I scratched the 11.91 off, and I went up there, and the girl looked at that, and she went, and she charged me $1.11. And so, uh, man, I... We moved, moved back home, and, and uh, I went back to the altar and prayed back through. And, but every time I'd get down on my knees, I'd see that Stanley tape in the balance. And so I told my wife, I said, we've got to make a trip back to North Carolina. She said, why? I said, I've got to take $10 back to Kmart. I don't want $10 in the balance when I get before God. So I drove back. Walked in Kmart, and I told the girl, I said, I told her what had happened. I said, I want to give you $10. She said, I don't know what to do about that. And I said, well, call the manager. The manager came, and I told her. She said, I ain't never heard anything like that before. 
he said, I don't know what to do. I said, all I want to do is give back $10. I don't want it to be in the balance. I actually took a quarter back. I gave a quarter back at, at the second window at McDonald's. The girl couldn't even make change today at McDonald's. But I, they finally said, well, go get something that costs $10 and bring it up and buy it and then just give it, give the item back to us. So she probably took it home. Who knows? But I did that. But, but I, I had a clear conscience. It seemed like my spirit just... And I went to the person I used to rent from and he gave me a $100 bill and a brand new handsaw that was $10. So I got $110 back. Praise God. One more thing I'll tell you that happened. And uh, I was working, which I would never do again. I'd work through my vacation, and I'd get, uh, get paid double. But uh, I got my paycheck, and they, they had uh, more money on there, like $245 more than what I'd earned. And so I told the guy, he was a union guy, which he didn't have any authority to do what he did. He just stole money for all of us and he I said uh, I didn't make that much and so he wouldn't take it back and I talked to his boss he wouldn't take it back so I went down to the office I used to work for the superintendent and I said listen they gave me $245 too much and I don't want to stand before God and there would be $245 that don't belong to me he said deacon I think he called me deacon or preacher but he said he said, I am the man, and what I say goes, and I say, you keep that $245. So it cleared it up out of my, off my conscience and out of the balance, and, and God blessed me. You can't go wrong doing right. Praise God. Amen. Let's thank God for integrity. Let's all stand to our feet tonight. I, uh, I, feel, I feel conviction. I think, I think sometimes we think we, we are who we are when we're accountable. But the truth of the matter is we are who we are when no one's looking. Those things that no one would have seen. Um, but God saw it. And, uh, Dad, thank you for always being honest in front of us. Never, never one time that we can say that you operated out of integrity my 23 years of being in your house and thanks for letting me live in your house that long <laughs> um, but uh, always operate in integrity wanting to be right with God there's a touch of God in here tonight how many want to be like him I, I want I want to be right with God I see Donnie here tonight hey Donnie uh, won't you come up here and sit by my dad we're going to pray for you I believe you have surgery tomorrow is that correct yeah, he's going to have heart valve surgery tomorrow. And we're so glad you're here. Oh, we love Donnie. Amen. Would you give him a hand? We love Donnie. We're going to believe for a miracle for him. But I hear, I hear that old verse because all of us one day will stand individually before God and we will give an account for our works. Every one of us. You can't escape that moment. And... Um, I don't want to stand before God. He said, you know what you did. I sent you a preacher. I sent a specific word to you. And if we will live what he's teaching, 
And I've already told you, you get in the wrong atmosphere, you end up doing the wrong thing. How many know you're a product of your atmosphere? And some of you made decisions because of the atmosphere you were raised in, around, didn't know to do any better. But God's putting you in a new atmosphere. It's called the church. Amen. In his presence. When God's moving, it's the greatest opportunity to make changes. Say, that's what I want to be like. How many know when he comes, there's peace and joy, happiness and long-suffering, patience, gentleness and kindness. I want us to lift our hands and tell the Lord, we want to be like you. I hear that old verse, search me. Is there anything in me? Search my heart. Search the avenues of my soul. Do you see anything that God you do not approve of today? Oh Lord, we want to be like you. We want to walk the way you walk, live the way you live. Is there anything I've done, God, that needs to be forgiven? God, is there anything about me that needs to change? I, I want to be right, almighty God. I want you to be pleased with me. I want to conform to your image. I want to be holy as you're holy and righteous as you're righteous. I would even want my thoughts to be the way you would have it to be. Oh, we love you, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Let me feel this today. I feel a touch of God. I've never regretted one day along with the Lord. I've regretted many days that I should have prayed, though. How many of you? I've never regretted one day alone with God. Um, we're going to, Donnie, we're gonna, I'm going to have my dad pray for you. And tomorrow is you're going to have a heart valve surgery, and, and I want our ministers to come. I believe in you. I just preached his dad's funeral just a few weeks ago. He and Jason's. And the, there's some anointing oil down here, Dad. And uh, how many of you men are going to believe with me that God's going to touch him? Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what I feel. I'm going to tell you what I feel. The Lord has given you a space to repent. That's what church is about. Someone was telling me before service that I, I, I'm, they say I get better because I come to the house of God. That is so true. That is so true. That's what the sword of the Spirit does. It The sword of God's Word, it, it cuts off things that don't belong in your life. It purifies you. It refines you. You come out more like Him all the time. I want that. Somebody say, preach to me, preacher. God does. God uses preachers to preach to you to get your heart right with the Lord. And I feel that today. I want us to all begin to pray. God has given you a space to repent. You can get it right. He's going to give you wisdom in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Go ahead. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.